Shalom and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. A conference took place in New York this past week called Recharging Reform Judaism. It's one of several in-person think takes and online maunderings about how to connect 21st century Jews and transmit a relevant Judaism, considering recent statistics and studies on the state of the American Jewish community. Most recently, four categories of 2022 American Jews with these percentages listed as follows. Active Jews, 16%. Affiliated, 34%. Ambivalent, 34%. Alienated, 16%. This means that 50% of America's Jews are ambivalent or have no connection to their Jewish community at all. Temple Israel, one of the 22 founding congregations in the reform movement, somehow remains the last large and vibrant synagogue in this entire region. How have we sustained this regional hub for Jewish life? in a region with only 8,000 Jews out of more than a million people in the Mid-South by leaning into our Reform Jewish roots. And tonight's speaker on this Pride Shabbat is Exhibit A. Michael Ryan Eisenstadt has been a member of Temple Israel two months longer than this rabbi since he was born two months before I arrived in 91. Michael became bar mitzvah on this pulpit in 2004 after graduating, if I recall correctly, Richland Elementary and White Station High School like his older brother, Brian. Their parents Also in the front row, Lynn and Dr. Jerry Eisenstadt, Michael's grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles. His Jewish roots extend from here to other Southern Jewish communities like Helena, Arkansas, or his dad's New Orleans lineage. Michael's temple and Memphis roots go back almost to the start of this synagogue founded seven years before the Civil War. The history of civil and human rights and Temple Israel are synonymous, not only with Rabbi Feinschreiber's 1918 outcry against lynching, the first Memphis clergy person to speak out against lynching in this city, and of course, Rabbi Wax, who exactly 50 years later in 68 became a moral conscience in the faith community as president of the Memphis Ministers Association in the aftermath of the King assassination. The fact is, Temple Israel has always been known as a religious barometer for equality, justice, and dignity across all lines, politically, racially, religiously, socioeconomically, and in the struggle for LGBTQ equality too. Rabbi Denise Egger, 
former president of the Central Conference of American Rabbis and leading LGBTQ rabbinic voice, was raised in this sanctuary under Rabbi Danziger's leadership, and the list goes on. Over 30 years ago, our synagogue was a founding faith partner of the Memphis Gay and Lesbian Community Center, now known as Out Memphis. And I remember a conversation I had with then longtime Out Memphis director, my old friend Will Batts, who unfortunately left Memphis five years ago after his husband got his dream job in another city. But during one of these pride months, I can't remember whether it was June or in Memphis, we also have the Cooper Young Festival. Uh, there's a lot of celebration then too. We were banding about names to bring to Memphis, given all our connections to national leaders in the LGBTQ community. Someone much smarter in our small group conversation then said, flying in folks from the coasts is one idea, but you don't have to leave Memphis to find the best, even at your own synagogue, Rabbi. And that person was right. Tonight's Devar tour will be delivered by our former Temple Israel High School Youth Group president, an original member of our celebrated teen team music ensemble founded by the renowned national Jewish recording artist, Rick Recht. Rick, I told Michael this, he called me out of the blue today to catch up and ask what's up. And when I told him about tonight's service, Rick immediately said, referring to tonight's speaker, I always love that guy and his entire family. Please send my personal hello. When Michael accepted the invitation to fly home just for this service, I realized that Michael's presence alone would be tonight's message before we even hear his sure to be great thoughts. On certain Shabbats, the messenger is the message. And this is one of those Shabbats. Whenever we take our high school graduates to Washington, D.C., reaching out to Michael is a priority, not only to catch up with this Temple and Tulane cum laude alum, as well as to get his best recommendations on where to take the kids. Michael has helped us with his connections on Capitol Hill in ways no national body can. Not only was he a treasured staffer, for Temple Israel member and United States Congressman Steve Cohen. In 2018, he served as digital director on former Tennessee Governor Phil Bredesen's United States Senate campaign. And he has spent the last two election cycles at the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Presently, Michael is partner at the SP Media Group consulting firm and he resides in Washington, D.C. with his partner, Jeremy Sherman, and their dog, Oreo. That's right, right? Okay, let's hear it. A warm welcome home for Temple Israel's pride and the Eisenstadt family's joy, Michael Eisenstadt. Shabbat Shalom, happy Pride Month, everyone. 
Rabbi Greenstein, thank you for that introduction. I actually learned a lot about Temple Israel. Um, and thank you for continuing to make sure it's a welcoming community for us all. And, and anytime we return home as well. Uh, important question to get us started tonight. By show of hands, who here watches Ted Lasso? That's maybe about half the group. That's, that's great. Um, for those who aren't familiar, it's a show on Apple TV Plus uh, about an American football coach who played by Jason Sudeikis, who uproots his life and moves to Britain to coach a floundering Premier League soccer team, yet he knows nothing about the sport of soccer. Anyway, I'll try to keep the spoilers to a minimum, but in a recent episode, one of the players on the team comes out as gay. Despite being in the locker room frustrated that they were down at halftime and there were some tense moments on the pitch, the team's initial reaction to the news was, so what, you're gay? Big whoop? We don't care? By all standards, it's a pretty great response in 2023, and one that put the players' anxieties at ease. But Coach Lasso, who's known to drop an inspirational line or two, turns to the player who just came out and interjects. Okay, fine, I will spare you the fake Southern accent and his cheesy anecdote, but I do quote, well, hold up now. We don't not care. We care very much. We care about who you are and what you must have been going through. But from now on, you don't have to go through it all by yourself. I first came out to someone on July 4th, 2015, bringing a new meaning to Independence Day. <laughs> I received a lot of responses similar to that in Ted Lasso. And I definitely consider myself one of the lucky ones because of it. I'm blessed to have loving parents who actually changed a flight just so they could be here tonight. Family and friends, many of who are in the audience tonight, who have been unwavering in their support of me. And now an incredible partner, Jeremy, who's watching on the live stream from DC. Once I mustered up the courage after years of internal struggle to say the words, I'm gay, everything seemed easier than I expected, much to my relief. After all, our country had recently made tremendous progress towards LGBTQ equality. Same-sex marriage had been legalized in all 50 states just weeks earlier, and representation in the media and pop culture was beginning to transform the way the American public perceived us. What was once a community hidden in the shadows was now, both literally and figuratively, strutting down the runway of RuPaul's Drag Race. But then, in June of 2016, just one year after I came out, a man opened fire at a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida, killing 49 people and injuring 53 others. That very same night, at the very same time, I was at a gay nightclub in Washington, D.C., celebrating my first pride. The Pulse nightclub shooting shook me to my core. When I woke up the next morning and saw the news, I cried, I was scared, I felt vulnerable, and it also changed my perspective completely. I realized that coming out doesn't end with uttering the words. I remember telling my parents a year prior that even though I had come out as gay, I was still the same person as I was before. I'd just marry a man instead of a woman. But while I didn't realize it at the time, that wasn't true. 
the Pulse nightclub shooting had opened my eyes to the fact that I wasn't just gay, I was now also part of a larger LGBTQ community with a shared history, unique culture, and complex set of challenges that would alter the way that I viewed the world around me. Now today, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that the Pulse shooting was a wake-up call and that the challenges facing our community are gone. But states across the country have recently begun taking unprecedented legislative action against the LGBTQ community. So far this year, lawmakers in 46 states have introduced over 650 anti-LGBTQ bills, many of which are targeted at the trans community. And in at least 11 states, including right here in Tennessee, some of those bills have become law. In doing this, our elected officials are fanning the flames of hate, spreading lies and misinformation about us because they feel threatened, threatened by a community different from their own, that they know little about and haven't really taken the time to understand. As Jews, we too have built a shared history, a unique culture, and special traditions over the course of generations. And like any community, we face our own set of challenges. But how can we as Jews expect to combat the recent rise in anti-Semitism without non-Jews standing by our side? How can we as Jews achieve greater acceptance of ourselves without working hard to accept others? And how can we as the Jewish community expect others to understand the issues that we face if we aren't willing to do the same for others? And in the same way that we can't expect us as Jews to fight anti-Semitism alone or people of color to fight racism alone, the LGBT community can't stand alone in our fight either. To overcome our challenges and be vibrant, strong, and safe, we must of course be accepted for who we are individually. But our community, with its shared history, unique culture, and complex set of challenges must also be understood not just by those from within, but by our friends, family, and strangers alike who don't have our shared experiences. That's the next frontier in our fight for equality. As Rabbi Greenstein mentioned, this week's Torah portion, Nassau, is most well known for the priestly benediction prayer. But one of the other big takeaways in this week's Torah portion is the idea that every Jewish person has a sacred task to perform. In the story, Moses is commanded by God to take a census of the Jewish people and figure out who is able to perform which sacred task as it relates to the tabernacle. Now, in biblical times, that meant only counting men of certain tribes, age 30 to 50. But in the modern sense, we understand this lesson to mean that every Jewish person has to find a particular duty or mitzvah that speaks to their heart and what they're ready and able to do. So this Pride Month, I challenge you to take your acceptance a step further and make that mitzvah one of a deeper understanding of a people and community different from your own. Whether you're part of the LGBTQ community or not, discover something new about our rich and diverse history and culture. During a recent visit to DC, my parents insisted that I take them to a local drag brunch after Tennessee had become the first state in the country to ban public drag shows. 
While I was admittedly nervous about taking them, it meant so much to me that they were eager and willing to go outside of their comfort zone and experience something new. So whether it be drag, the ballroom scene, gender fluidity, the struggles that trans individuals face, the Stonewall riots, the AIDS epidemic, or the sometimes gut-wrenching process of surrogacy or adoption that so many LGBTQ families go through, there's an opportunity for all of us to broaden our horizons. Maybe there's a part of our community that makes you uncomfortable because like many people, you've never been exposed to it or don't understand it. That's okay, I've been there too. But rather than use that as an excuse to justify divisive or hateful thoughts and actions, I wanna challenge you to push your comfort zone. That's a mitzvah. Learning something new about the people we love and their community, that's a mitzvah. I didn't begin to understand or appreciate the LGBTQ community until identified as part of it. But you don't have to be a part of a community to put in the effort and reject the fear and ignorance that we hear so much about in our country today. Unfortunately, the threats to the LGBTQ community continue to manifest themselves in new ways, which demands more from all of us. And as this week's Torah portion teaches, we all have a duty to care, to care about who we are and to care about what we've gone through, regardless of which communities we may, we may identify with. And most importantly, as Coach Lasso so aptly pointed out, we all have an obligation to ensure that none of us have to go through it all by ourselves. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>